I have had a lot of solutions to certain problems that I am facing in business or certain walls that I have come across being scaled or solved by talking to other people with similar profiles working in different industries or different geographies. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello everyone, welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host Ajay Tashkor. Today, I'm absolutely delighted and excited to talk to Abhishek Chakrabarti on scaling the enterprise mountain using ABM. Abhishek is, uh, is an experienced enterprise sales and marketing leader, well over 11 years of experience across multiple industries, and uh, is currently working as an associate director for demand generation in international markets for a high uh, growth company called Yellow AI. So Abhishek, I'm, once again, I'm very excited to ha- talk to you. Uh, welcome to the show. You know, I've got a couple of questions that I would love to learn about you and, of course, to our listeners. So I'm happy to kick that off. But once again, welcome to the show. Thanks, Isaac. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. As you know, uh, you've got a very sort of strong exposure and background in enterprise sales. In fact, um, you know, you've had some uh, incredible experience closing one of the largest tech deals in, in the history of your previous um, uh, sort of uh, employer. Could you kind of help our listeners to understand how these large deals are structured and also the efforts that typically goes into these multiple teams, right? So we would love to learn more about that. And, and, and yeah, I'm sure our listeners would want to sort of learn more and, and see how you sort of address these different sort of dynamics within, within enterprise sales. Sure. See, whenever we talk about enterprise deals, everyone would say that they're like notorious for being very complex, time-consuming, requiring a lot of back and forth and follow-ups. If that's the case for enterprise deals, a large deal is like, 100 times more complex than that and there would be like a army of people from both the prospect as well as the seller side doing back and forth doing a lot of discussions demos etc but if you have to kind of uh, break it down into three or four steps through which any large deal would go through so you would usually like once you get the lead once you have qualified it and you start the discussions and you come to a point that this is going to be a large deal, your discussions would usually be around the fitment analysis. So it's your first round of discussions to understand or have that synergy being mapped that am I pitching something which is of value to the person sitting at the other end of the table? And uh, is it similar or same thing that they are also looking for? So it's just kind of a profile match that happens telling that, okay, I am looking for what you are selling. Once that is there, it usually will be followed by a little bit of a time-consuming process for of NDA because your nitty-gritties of these large deals would not be divulged by any organization until you get into a non-disclosure agreement and then they will proceed for your uh, further discussions. Now, there are many ways in which can, in which it can happen, but Usually, like when we talk about large deal, these are all large enterprises who kind of are at the other end of the table in form of the buyer. So there would always be a RFP stage. So they would have kind of shortlisted three or four odd players in the same field who, who have similar capability. And post the NDA is when you actually get to look at what monster are you looking at. So they'll give you the technical specifications. They'll give you uh, what are the 
key requirements that they have. And that's where sales comes in along with uh, if you have a pre-sales team, if you have a solution design team, and obviously the marketing team comes in to kind of uh, get together and give out the best possible proposal, not only in terms of commercials, tech specifications, but also in terms of building that trust and building that dependability on what you are pitching. Now, RFP process would go on for some time. Then you would, if you are selected, you would go into the actual orals or presentations where uh, you kind of showcase what you want to provide these buyers. And this is a highly competitive stage, right? So there would be all these four or five players who are very similar to what you do yourself coming in and pitching the same thing. So I think this is where a lot of success of large deal depends on how well aligned the sales and marketing teams are and marketing team actually takes up the baton here to kind of make the experience unique or more value-added than maybe what your competitor is presenting. There are many ways which it can be done. Either like there are microsites that can be created which are custom-made and very innovative, engaging as a substitute for your Excel presentations or slide presentations. So having done all of this, assume that you have passed this stage as well, is when you get down to the final hurdle, which is defining your project roadmap and delivery plan. Now that is where you will have a lot of back and forth coming in between pre-sales, uh, customer teams who are customer project management teams to hash out the timelines, hash out the expectations in terms of delivery. And once all of this is done, there you go, you have your large deal. But one thing you will notice that in all of these stages, I kind of skipped over the whole part of pricing, right? You might be wondering that, okay, this is a large deal. Maybe pricing will play a big factor. But from my experience and also something that uh, we've seen being corroborated by Gartner in their studies is that when it comes to a large deal, what most of the customers put a high premium on is on the trust and dependability of the vendor. As long as they are able to depend that through rain and sunshine, you as a vendor will be at their side taking care of the requirement, providing the fixes, updates, support that is needed. They are more than willing to pay a little bit of a premium to go for a more dependable vendor rather than putting it purely on a price war and going for the lowest possible bid. So I think the seller's commitment, how you bring it out, because as I kept saying earlier also that in terms of tech specs capabilities you would be more or less at par with most of the other players in your industry if you are in the top five there is not much differentiation that you can make between what say a player a can do compared to what you can do what gives you that added advantage is how do you bring out your commitment to the success of the customer and how do you portray the dependability factor in your services. I think this would form the crux of kind of taking a large deal over the finish line in any industry. Mm, absolutely. No, that's very good insight. Um, and I definitely know that from experience and speaking to many peers that enterprise deals are really, really long, right? They've got very long sales cycles and there's a lot of complexity involved and there's some very good research out there like Garner that absolutely says that, you know, there's multiple different people involved, content consumers increased, a lot of it happens, you know, in, in different places. 
So how do you actually keep people on the buying side nurtured and engaged during this entire sales process, which, as you know, could take, you know, one year, two years and so on. And also, as you're thinking about that, how does your ABM strategy support that? How does it fit into that overall nurturing and engagement of those big, large enterprise deals? So I think uh, like a best used case would would be the one that you mentioned that uh, one of the largest tech deals that I was part of from the marketing side in my previous organization. That was a deal which had a journey close to about 18 months, right from the time Mm. of identification to the first round of discussions to the deal being closed. It was 18 months, if not a little bit more than that. So that that's that's beyond what a normal sales usually look at right you would have your quarterly targets you would have your aops and annual plans but this is Absolutely. one deal which crossed <laughs> maybe two financial years in in yes. one process now see when we when we talk about large deals or any kind of uh, enterprise deals there are studies which have found that even for a deal as big as say a hundred thousand dollars on an average, hmm. there would be 19 meetings with 14 plus stakeholders. This is a study by Clary that I'm quoting. Now, hmm. come to think of it, obviously, there would be ups and downs. But come to think of it, when you're talking about a deal value, which is upwards of billion dollars, hmm. the complexity is insane. Now, I've been in both the shoes, right? I've been in enterprise sales and I've been in enterprise marketing. In enterprise sales, your mantra is that follow-up. Your success directly depends on how closely and how frequently are you following up with your prospects in your pipeline and building that rapport and ensuring that you are at the top of the mind. So when things start getting ripe for the deal to close, you are there the first of the line to get that deal. Now, it's very easy for a salesperson to manage it for say relatively smaller deals or a smaller set of accounts but in these kind of cases where your deal values would be in like half a billion mm-hmm. kind of deals there are too yeah. many moving parts for one salesperson or even a sales team to be able to do that so i think a key lever for any kind of large deal engagement to happen is how do you align with your marketing team. That is where a lot of your uh, engagements can be done continuously without obviously crossing into the board, like through the border of being a spam or an irritating uh, kind of uh, touch points, but relevant, important, valuable engagements that can keep happening as the deal progresses. So I think it's, it's the alignment which ensures that that key stakeholders, decision makers, influencers are all engaged at some level or the other. Now, when we talk about ABM strategy, it actually is kind of a program which is built to suit these kind of deals, these kind of complex, large enterprise, large scale engagements, right? So if I have to kind of give a very basic uh, flow of how an ABM strategy usually plugs into a large deal and works with the sales to ensure that there is no drop-off in between. Even if there is a lull, like if, if you're working with US or European companies, you would know that there is a summer break that comes in where a lot of people don't want to discuss with work. There is a Christmas time where you may not have face time with any of the decision makers. 
but how do you stay relevant you i'm not saying that you keep sending them business communication but how do you engage as a as a vendor or as a vendor spoke now usually abm would come into play here in terms of providing uh, different levels of engagement the first and foremost which is very easy to deploy which can be an always on uh, engagement channel and keep nurturing these leads with valuable highly relevant content is your digital air cover you can use multiple digital platforms in enterprise what works by far the best is linkedin so obviously that's the primary go to for any marketer but there are other channels also there are sophisticated channels which can target at an individual level so that that's that's the primary layer of engagement cover that you put in the second thing is account level intel now there are tools in place which give you account level intel but if you are able to tie your platform based intel to your sales intel that's a perfect marriage to know what an account is prioritizing at any given point of time now let's say for example using abm platform like demand base we are uh, picking up that there is a lot of activity happening around uh, data privacy in an in an account and your sales team corroborates that yes uh, recently there has been like two uh, large meetings etc organized by the ciso's office in that target account where they're talking about data privacy and bank you organize maybe a webinar a round table which talks about cyber security data privacy related to that industry or very specific to the arena in which your prospect account is playing it will have a huge impact in terms of adding value and it it will make you stand out in their mind that okay hey this vendor knows what they're doing there in uh, like they're on the pulse of what is happening and they seem to be providing us valuable uh, insight without like it it's kind of a free service that you're doing right it's not free at the end because your end goal is to get the deal but at that point of moment it's something that you're providing as a value add to that organization without actually asking that okay give me something in return right so that's one thing and then only thing that we need to keep in mind in this engagement program uh, marrying this digital air cover and your account level intel for physical engagement would be that the mix and frequency should be kept in mind depending on where you are in the deal discussion stage because there are legal implications to it like the closer you get to an rfp and rs rfi discussion you cannot be directly influencing people that that's against law and against ethics so that that awareness also should be there that okay we saw that it's working and we go all out and then land ourselves in a place where we get disqualified from an rfp that that's kind of a small advice i would give to any marketer that start it off and keep a track on where it is going and where you are in the deal journey stage and when to stop or like take a step back yeah no absolutely i think that's definitely uh, invaluable and very important for uh, any enterprise sales professional and also of course also uh, marketing too and yeah that was very very interesting in terms of how you kind of structure those impactful engagement programs right um what i would love to learn is you know as you think about kind of multi channel campaigns right as you think about multi layered given that there's many different buyers involved i mean how do you go about building that right how do you build those campaigns that are omni channel how do you drive that sort of successful collaboration internally 
to, to, to sort of, you know, as you mentioned, LinkedIn, to, to put together those, those different types of uh, multi-layered and, and multi-channel campaigns. Yeah. See, there is no way out of a multi-channel or multi-layer integrated marketing campaign when it comes to enterprise, just because of the sheer size of decision makers, influencers involved and size of organization that you are targeting. So mm. I think the key prerequisites for any multi-layer campaign being planned or designed would be first, who and where are your target personas? The first step is that identify to the T that who do you want to engage? Who do you want to see what you're showing or hear what you're talking about? And second, second part to this is that once that I know that, okay, these are the type of people I want to target, where can they be found? Like if I'm looking at a, say, information security related profile, do I go to a Facebook to do that? Or do I go to a CIO.com to do that? Because hmm. if you are able to catch hold of your target persona, where they frequent the most with content, asset or information which is relevant to that platform and to that persona, there is no better place to start off from, right? The second part is that once you have identified who and where is, you'll need to also deep dive and kind of build that persona or that ICP that we all keep talking about is that yeah. what are their interests and how are these interest areas or intent areas matching the propositions yeah. that you have or that you want to put into market, Right. I might be selling a mobile phone which has multiple features and I can't be talking about all of them to everyone. There are certain people who look, say, at a mobile phone from a perspective of a camera. So if I'm talking to, if I know that, okay, for this person, this is the specific pain point or this is the specific requirement and I forget about all the nine other things that my product is capable of doing and talk only on that one point which I know is the pain point your success rate or hit rates responses will be much, much higher. So that forms the second layer of thinking about a multi-layer or multi-channel campaign is how are you able to match the pain point to your solution? And the third part is be very clear about what you expect them to do. If I am sending out a case study or white paper through any medium, what is the journey that that person is seeing, do, going through? And what is the end result that you wanted want them to do? See, you have you identified who is your ICP through the who. You identified that they are going and frequenting a lot of time on CIO.com. So you use that as a targeting platform. Now you know what your interest is and you create a pitch that matches with that persona's interest. And then you see that, okay, this is a case study or a white paper that will work. And you put it out there, they see it, they click it, download it. Then what? Does download qualify for your end objective? Do you want further engagement? So I think a lot of the times when a campaign kind of doesn't get optimized is this part. Because in the whole excitement of identifying who, where and what, we forget that what is the journey that we are taking? Or what is the journey that we want our prospects to take? And what is the end goal? Is it a form fill? Is it a registration to a webinar or a roundtable? Is it a reply back to some query that we have sent? What is it? So once you have these th three things tied up, you will see that not only does your multi-channel 
approach comes into play because you'll know which all channels to in deploy at what given point of time in that journey right so so i think i think these key points are very important when you are designing a multi layer or multi channel campaign to know that journey and where your each channel plays a part it it's like it's like football right you will have 11 players not all of them do the same thing there are defenders whose job is to defend and they will get activated only at a certain position in the game you you won't see defenders running up forward and standing there so your levers and channels are exactly like that have a very clear definition of what lever you are using and why and where does it plug into that entire journey very good no i was great analogy as well uh, around the football team and i think you know um a lot of our customers and probably a lot of our uh, listeners are actually embarking on this journey of, of you know campus marketing so it's it's kind of the a, a new uh, kind of a strategy for them so there's a lot that they need sort of to think about and i think one of the key areas is you know how not to avoid you know repenting the wheel and also pitfalls so i mean from your from your sort of experience you know what would you say are some of those pitfalls to avoid when uh, implementing or executing an abm strategy in other words how not to do abm right so uh, what would you say about that basically and what are sort of those key points that you want to sort of share about that kind of area So it's a small anecdote from my school days is that we had a teacher whose favorite motivational statement was failures are the pillars of success. So in ABM also for me like whatever I have done or wherever I am lie like rests on a lot of such pillars. Right so it, it it's strewn with a lot of pillars where I had to learn through that failure but I think having travel that journey i can identify those pillars and kind of share of like maybe two or three points on what are the cardinal mistakes or cardinal pitfalls to avoid while looking at abm as a program or abm as a channel i think first and foremost is that abm is so new that not a lot of people actually know a lot about it they would have heard it in bits and pieces that okay abm if you implement you get large deals or oh, abm if you do you get good customer uh, growth like expansions happen in your customers but these are all bits and pieces of the larger picture so whenever you are starting an abm especially in a, in any organization it's very very important to have an explicit buy in from the business leaders preferably from the ceo or see ABM is a very costly program right it it requires a lot of time it requires a lot of investment and it requires a lot of patience so why my personal suggestion would be go to a ceo or a cfo is because these are the two people who kind of release the funds and give you that backing that okay i am investing x dollars and so many months i will wait for these months before it comes into action or i see some roi as they like to call it that roi vision that timeline has to be there and that backing has to be there because it's very very easy to get frustrated within the first two months that oh there is no significant change that is happening what are we doing because we come from a traditional demand gen mindset right like we do a campaign we get a lead and we start seeing that in black and white oh this campaign led x some x amount of leads but in abm it's not leads that you are chasing it's taking an account through a journey of awareness interest and then 
bringing the right people in that account to our discussion where the moment your discussion starts the possibility and the velocity of closure is much faster than when you target a lead and then take them through that entire journey so that first point is obviously have an executive sponsor preferably a ceo or cfo giving you that backing and understanding of what abm program is there and why they want to do it and what are they willing to invest in terms of both money and time the second point is it's very easy to kind of lose your way in once you get your approvals your budgets in place to go all over the place and kind of target everyone and everybody that that's the biggest mistake that you can make because abm is not a channel like a digital marketing channel which you deploy it's also a mindset change your sales people may not be even tuned into how to work in an abm environment what is the type of discussions that they want to make so start slow build that case or proof of concept that this is how we need to approach this is how this is what is the responsibility of sales this is what lies in the bucket of the abm person this is what messaging we are taking this is how we are approaching the whole thing so that mindset shift being so important it's always advised like especially i would advise that go with the 1111 formula so it's nothing that you pick one sales rep one geo or country that you want to target one industry that you want to target and one offering that you want to take to it do all your trials tweaks experimentations failures in this small controlled environment once you have shown success in this it's very easy for you to scale it up you would have a blue book in place that what needs to be done by the sales what needs to be done in terms of messaging how to approach what to what lever to activate at what time so basically start slow show value and then slowly expand and i think the third and most important part a part of which i touched earlier also is that contrary to the popular belief in the enterprise world abm is not a magic bullet if your business is in a place that you want to crack into enterprise business crack into large deals show a high retention revenue or high renewals coming into place abm will help you in all of that but it's not that i plug on abm and within a few months or within a few weeks you start seeing large deal coming in it's it's a transformation journey like from a traditional demand gen lead gen mindset you slowly move into a long tail approach with a lot of orchestrations and journeying happening at an account level to be able to arrive maybe a year or year and a half down the line at a place where your abm is fully functional and then you will start seeing the results so i think the third point is to set that expectation right that it's not a quick fix to demand gen it's not a quick solution to getting enterprise deal and it's not a magic wand that you wave and suddenly transformation happens overnight you need to put in that time effort energy sweat and as i said a lot of these failure pillars in place before you come to it and see for every industry or organization the way abm works is different it has to be suited to not only your organization but to your customers profiles as well like who are your customers what type of industry are you working in so it's very different and that journey is unique to every organization absolutely
No, definitely. It is very unique to every organization. Um, as you probably know, and I quite speak to a lot of clients, there's a lot of challenges happening right now in the market, in the markets and, um, you know, with the macroeconomic challenges that we're all, we're all facing. So wh- what, what are you doing in the other eye and, and how is your, you know, organization adapting to, to the current economic, you know, um, challenges and, and, and downturn that we're facing right now? So well, what would you say about that? So see, one of the pop culture uh, themes that have come up in the last few years is from Game of Thrones, right? Winter is coming. Well, like we see that winter has already arrived on certain countries. Like there are strict uh, downturns happening in US to some extent in European markets. It will reach. It will reach Middle East, Southeast Asia. APAC and all, it will reach. It's not something that we can afford. What we can do is take that early warning and kind of batten down the hatches and look at what drives value for our customers. Right? Even at Yellow, what we we want to do is that build that value to the customers so that irrespective of what is happening, if you, if, if you find something of value, you will always be willing to spend on that because it's driving some value or the other. So I think for us, it's kind of having a close look at not only the financial metrics, but it's also looking at our customers and target audience and figuring out what can we do more to drive more value in these tough times for them so that we can be not only just a seller or a vendor, but a partner. See, we as an organization cannot survive alone. Neither can our customers. So it's it's that synergy that needs to come into place that am I offering something which has value for them, which they will take and in turn support us and tide tide over these difficult times. And I think uh, for any any case, like not only yellow.ai, any any business in the uh, in the business of service or in the business of providing some solution to enterprise any downturn is always an opportunity also on the other hand that you need to find where you are driving that value to turn any downturn into an opportunity i think that that's also what we would be looking at that how how can we add value to our partners be more of partners than vendors and how do we maybe at a product level at an offering level do things which increase the value that we are driving or the uh, benefit that we are driving to our end users and end customers. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely very, very valuable insight um, about the current state that we're in. Everyone loves books. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you've got a, plenty of them and uh, you've got your favorite ones, but yeah, are there any specific books or blogs, you know, any type of content like a video or a website, newsletters that you sign up to you would like to recommend to our listeners so that they could, you know, kind of learn from these different types of content that you yourself can do. There are a lot of times when I'm commuting or traveling, or taking my dogs out to walk or doing something which doesn't give me time to sit and read. Uh, that That's where podcasts come into play. Uh, and I've, I've been a big fan of podcasts since I kind of not discovered them, but started listening to podcasts in like about 2015, 16. And... Uh, in terms of podcast, which I would strongly refer, refer to 
anyone who's listening to this is obviously sunny side up is a very very balanced dose of business innovation growth it it, it gives you a very holistic view of business so this is something that i listen to quite often and my another personal favorite of mine is masters of scale where you get to know about how growth works how scaling up a business from that 0 to 1 mode works in so that's there and i am a bit of a abm fanatic also uh, so i cannot pass over a book in terms of business without mentioning uh, content that say bev burgess or sangram bajre put out there in terms of abm that that's also a very very good learning experience with real life cases being talked about and i think one personal learnings in terms of gaining knowledge or gaining perspective is outside of books and podcasts linkedin is really really a good platform to kind of have that peer learning coming in you not only learn from experts but there are people who are in the same work that you are doing or in the similar shoes that you are faced with and i have had a lot of solutions to certain problems that i am facing in business or certain walls that i have come across being scaled or solved by talking to other people with similar profiles working in different industries or different geographies to have that variety of thought and variety of solutioning coming in so i think yeah books wise anything by bev burgess and sangram bajre podcast sunny side up and masters of scale and anything outside of that for knowledge linkedin excellent yeah absolutely you know, that's, that's great and some good people right and i'm sure you've got some you know inspirational people that uh, throughout your sort of successful experience you would definitely want to recommend right could you share maybe the names of three inspirational people in the, the b2b space that you would recommend we bring to the show in the future and um and get them to, to inspire and you know our listeners absolutely so i think i'll start from the beginning of my career so as a fresh uh, graduate out of b school i joined one of india's largest private banks icici bank and there like my skip level uh, manager was mr nagarajan vishwanathan who is the national sales head for corporate payment solutions so i think he has been that role model or that mentor figure for all freshers like us so all that i carry in terms of work ethics in terms of how to approach uh, sales how to approach business i think all of it is a direct influence of him work style work dedication everything it's it's all to him to mentor us freshers into what we are today so i think he's definitely the person i would recommend the second pivotal uh, person or one of my other mentors is uh, mr sanjay sahai infosys he is the avp and global head of digital marketing and marketing automation so infosys this was my first foray into marketing i prior to that i was a pure clay enterprise sales hunter most of the times once i joined infosys in a marketing role though it had a significant overlap in terms of enterprise marketing so the easing into the role was not that difficult but kind of getting to know all the tricks of the trade in terms of enterprise business getting like cutting edge information of what tools platforms approaches philosophies are being used globally and having like 
lengthy rounds of discussion, debates, informal discussions, and getting to learn through that discussions happened with Sanjay. And I think he still remains my go-to person for any problem related to marketing. I keep running back to him and telling that, okay, I got stuck here. And finally, like it, I cannot not mention uh, my current manager, uh, Surbi Agarwal, who is the SVP and global marketing at Yellow AI. She's been quite an influential person in terms of giving me the backing, giving me the guidance to build a very enterprise-focused, a very uh, ABM-centric uh, approach to marketing at Yellow AI. We, we are a young organization, so I think her experience, years of experience with Google comes into handy, comes handy here where she's been kind of shaping and guiding the entire team to that level of being an enterprise ready marketing function where we are doing great work and we keep continue doing great work. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, that, that's great. That's very, uh, definitely spiritual people. And definitely I know Sanjay myself and I, and I completely agree with you there. Um, well, thank you. Thank you so much for those, those recommendations. So how can people get in touch with you after this podcast, Abhishek? So I am more than happy to connect with peer seniors. It's, as I said, the larger, the greater the perspective you have in terms of discussing with people from different walks of life, it, it brings out a greater uh, learning, a greater knowledge base built. Absolutely. In the community. So I have uh, my mail ID uh, and my mobile number provided. Anybody who wants to get in touch can ping me, get in touch and happy to have a chat on anything under the sun. Perfect. <laughs> That's wonderful. And, you know, thank you so much. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a real pleasure to have you. You know, I really enjoyed uh, listening to a lot of the, to the insights that you shared. I'm sure the listeners as well. Uh, it was good to have you on our podcast today. You know, once again, thank you so much for, for being on our show. And uh, yeah, to, to our listeners, we uh, wish you a very pleasant day. Thanks, Isaac. It's been a pleasure from my side also. Have a great day. Have a great week. Thank you. Thanks. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV. 